Welcome to episode number 371 of On the Corner of the Official PitcherList.com podcast. I'm your host, Alex Fast, joined as always by the uh, tired Nick Pollock, relieved Nick Pollock. What is happening? I'm going to be tired for another week. I have so much I need to do in preparation of PL8, and I want to let everybody know next week when we do launch, which is Tuesday, February 7th, uh, I'm going to be putting out a separate podcast for the first time ever. There's going to be a, an agnostic pitcherless fantasy baseball podcast. Mm-hmm. It is not part of any of the individual feeds. It's just going to be a pitcherless podcast that is going to tell you everything about the new stuff on the site, the uh, I, the the new PL Pro subscription, and of course everything you need to know about PLV and the applications and stuff. It's going to be a little bit of a chonker, a little bit. But if you want to really learn all the stuff that we're doing, we're adding. I mean, I can I'm I'm fine teasing you what's coming next week. Percentile toggle fast. Not Ooh. just league average. You know how we you have that on our playing going. pages right now? I know. Uh-huh. But like you know, you can toggle league average, see the league average of every stat, which is super helpful. Yeah. But we're also doing percentile ranks inside of that. So like you can quickly see like, "Oh, he's that much better at it." Cuz you don't really have familiarity mm. with all these stats. So that's just one, one quick tease of it. But, um, but yeah, we did PitchCon and you were there and you did great. It's Paul Sewell, buddy. Oh, so good. There were a lot of fantastic talks and interviews, but yeah, the, 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 the crown jewel was definitely the PLV stuff, which we can now talk about. I'm just, I'm just amped for the, for the beautiful representation of it. I love the way that we, that we're distributing the, the PLV information. I see the little charts happening on Twitter now. Oh, the it's charts. Very exciting. Oh, the They're charts beautiful. are so good. They're really beautiful. The, um, is it kind of weird that I'm more hyped about the hitting stuff than I am the pitching stuff? Maybe, maybe, yeah, maybe. No, but that's okay. No, it's good. I'm, I'm... Look, the, the the charts have percentiles inside of them in the rolling mm. charts, not just league average. They actually have like 90th percentile and 25th. And that just, oh, again, is such a huge deal. I'm actually like, excited There's... about Michael Harris a second. What is this? <sighs> There's a lot to be excited about for sure. The other thing that you should be excited about is we're back with the with the Knicks top 100. We're tackling number 51 yes. through 60. Obviously, coming out a day later than usual, Nick was very kind to postpone because we got our first fast family stomach bug. But we're back. It was a quick one. We're ready to go. Better than ever. Um, Better than ever. I forgot, Nick. Are we are we amidst a tier? Uh, I mean, the whole thing is like a tier for me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, we just had Lucas Giolito, and I, I was thinking about this a lot. I think the person at 51 is probably going to be above Lucas Giolito. Um, again, we're going through this. We're saying, hey, here they are, the top 100, that kind of stuff. In in retrospect, it's more like these are the 100 pitchers that are on the top 100 well, in a general ranking. Oh, yeah, we might by the end be like, oh, yeah, wait, there's that guy. But I... Yeah. Uh, but you guys will know next week I'm I will have my full top 200 out and that's going to be the one that's like yes this is it I I've done a little bit better with it um so far but the guy at 51 is a PLV darling oh and well uh, I I couldn't resist so I don't know if this is the tier or not but let, let's just let's just say it is for the sake of me having to name another tier. Okay, so um, well, two things. One, I'll give you the I'll give you the breakdown of what the tier is. But um, <laughs> the other thing that I wanted to hit on is like, I, yeah, at this point, I'm not even operating it like this is the solidified top 100. I'm more saying or operating under the assumption that like 
we're covering all of these guys. So you're at least exactly. getting analysis on of all the of these. Right. Yeah, which is kind of what I dig. So the tiers today is going to be monuments. Monuments? monuments? <laughs> yeah. I don't so, know like I heard, I heard the laugh when you mentioned the tiers before. I was like, what does this mean? I mean, yeah, it's gonna um, be it's gonna monuments? be monuments. It's gonna be. I don't so, even I, uh, like. I know one monument. <laughs> then, then this first one's gonna be super easy. Uh, but oh god, monuments! So where does this tier end? Usually, I read where the tier goes up to. Um, we're just gonna not do that. <laughs> <laughs> this is all. This is all awful. Um, I'll tell right. you when Let's, it's a new tier. I'll tell you okay. when. Well then, right. let's. What is the monument for the, the, this this unnumbered <laughs> amount of pictures? Monuments. Yeah, monuments. Uh, I mean, okay, you know, you know what? Huh. It is the George Washington Monument, which it's is the only not, one you can think of. No, 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 no. That's the Washington Monument. Oh, okay, okay. I uh, there is one in in Park Slope, Brooklyn. Oh, okay. Uh, at, at Prospect Park West, mm-hmm. like at Ninth Street. And when I was a kid, it was a big moment for me when I could fully climb this on my own. Oh, and okay. it's not much. It like literally like me at my height now, I just sit down on the thing for the most part, right? <laughs> but, but but back then, he has a little sword that you can sure. hold on to and pull yourself up. There's a little place where you can sit. You get the sunset going down Ninth Street there. Anyone who mm. knows Brooklyn like this, I, I I applaud you. It's a fun thing. I remember as a kid, it was like a moment. That was able to do this. Uh, and that's why it's this one. Why? Because these are people where we want them to, you know, they're in the 50s right now, but all of them uh-huh. here, there is, there are ways for them to climb and to sit mm. down and enjoy the sunset of the season. Well done. It came upon you last minute and you handled it like a pro. The no, first boy. person whose sunset we need to see how they handle is Drew Rasmussen. Uh, he's coming in right now at number 51. The person you said is a PL darling, which I'll be curious to hear why, because, you know, low, low K rate, around 21% K rate. Interesting swing strike rate at 12%, which theoretically hints to the fact that the K rate could be taken up a jump a little bit last year. There's a good amount of hullabaloo with him last year about like, well, is that slider going to take a step forward with the whiffs? And it did. And he also theoretically introduced a bunch of new pitches, including... Uh, this cutter, um, which was not a part of the arsenal in 2021. Why is Drew Rasmussen a PLB darling? And why is he at number 51 and could be a little bit higher above Lucas Giolito? Yeah. So uh, he is a darling because when we run our projection system, Drew Rasmussen refuses to go back to where everyone else has them. I mean, we have, I think multiple, there was one iteration of the projection system where he, I think he had the number one strikeout rate in the majors. Um, and we're like, okay, what? we need to tweak this a little bit. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Well, he, so, so I mean, we did. He's not anymore, but he's higher than the 21% that uh, he had last year. He's more, we projected more to be like a 25% guy. Um, and keep in mind, I really do want to say this before, you know, those that are curious about getting PL Pro, all of that. Um, PL Pro, if you don't know, if you didn't see it, we have 2023 PLV projections. Uh, we have a live draft tool that uh, is going to have those projections. By the way, I haven't mentioned this to anybody. Mm. We're also going to have ATC projections inside of that draft tool. So mm. we think this is here first. the best. It, really, I haven't announced this to the staff or anyone. So uh, it's such a good draft tool. And I felt that you wanted both sides of this. Like ATC, we know the best well-rounded projection system. Ours is an aggressive one. 
And that's not going to necessarily be good for some people who just want like a simple one with a great cool. We'll make sure ATC is included. Yeah. But it will highlight guys that other projections won't, right? It will say, look, we're going to put our foot in the ground and say, we like this guy and we don't like this guy. Yeah. And one that, um, and the reason for that is we're not doing just a standard uh, regression to the mean projection system. Sure, we're doing different weights and stuff, but we're looking more at like what they throw and what that generally means, which I think is so interesting. Um, and it will catch some guys. And it really says like Drew Rasmussen is underperforming in the strikeout department. He should be higher. And we saw that and multiple times this past year. We saw 10 yeah. strikeouts against the Yankees. Uh, we saw nine against the Angels, eight against sure. the, uh, the the Rose. We saw stretches of this. And then the other days, it just was like two strikeouts and three strikeouts. And we're like, what is going on? It's there. And our projection system says, yeah, the stuff is that good. And he's just generally that good. It's just not really going that way. Um, so I'm like, you know what? His whips are always down. He doesn't yeah. walk, guys. Uh, his hit per nine has been 6.8, 7.5. We can, we can work with that. Uh, E-rate, it was 284 both in 2021 and 2022. And I think over time, the Rays are going to maybe let Drew Rasmussen be a little bit more. Uh, they're going to trust him more later on in the game, I hope. The last three games of the year were at least six innings. Actually, five of his final six for Drew Rasmussen were of six innings. That's really nice to see. We've I've kind of considered him more of like 80 pitches and you're done. Yeah. But I... But yeah, I kind of, I feel like Drew Rasmus is just getting better. Um, the cutter is really nice, PLV-wise. Um, his four-seamer is above average. Uh, his cutter is well above average, which is really nice to see. It's an average slider, which is good. I'll take an average slider as a third pitch. We want average third pitches. That's not a bad mm -hmm. thing to have. If it's a below average third pitch, that's where you have a problem. Uh, but yeah, overall, like, Drew Rasmus is a very good pitcher, and... I feel at this point in the draft, like I'll be happy to have Drew Rasmussen. I would venture to say that Drew Rasmussen has something that no one else has, which is a shocking lack of disparity between his swinging strike rate on his cutter and his K rate on his cutter. Both are at mm. 16%, which is kind of interesting to me because usually you would think if a guy's getting a 16% swing strike rate on a pitch, he might be able to use it as a viable uh, two-strike weapon. Right now, he does not sure. use it as a two-strike weapon. He goes to it less than 20% of the time in two-strike counts, really focusing on that four-seam and that slider. He did start to decrease that four-seam usage in, in two-strike counts last year, and I wonder if that's the answer, right? Because he's. I, I think that's where the disparity is also between the swing, overall swing strike and the K-rate, but if we're looking to see where that jump is going to be, why not right there, right? Yeah, that's a, that's a fantastic point. That's kind of why our projection system maybe likes him is because it's saying mm. that the cutter is being thrown to those counts when it's not actually in reality. Right. Uh, yeah. that, that legitimately might be the reason 23% put away rate on that cutter last year, as opposed to the 18% of his slider and the 15% of his fastball, his fastball four seam harassment threw it 33% of the time in two strike counts, 33% of those, of those four seamers. So that could be the reason for it. It might be that simple. Just throw that dang cutter. Uh, in two strike counts more often. It's a really, it's such a good pitch. Um, yeah, I, I, I feel like, I also feel like the floor is much better than I thought. I was, a, I was really out on Rasmussen entering 2022 because I just kind of felt yeah. it didn't make sense in 8% walk rates. Uh, he would just kind of throw these fastballs and like it wouldn't punish him, all this kind of stuff. And now I, I believe more in the cutter. 
I believe more in the generalized approach, um, especially considering it happens again. I'm like, all right, I'll accept that I was wrong and I'm interpreting this wrong. And walk rate went down and I'm just like, yeah, you're getting better. You know what? I'm in. XBabbit went down 30 points too. So that's pretty cool. Something tells me he's going to be at the back end of the top 50 when we get our yeah uh, our title. I got to have him above Lucas there. Giolito. It's just a safer yeah, play. I can see that. I can see that. Now, listen, I'm not going to lie. I hate everyone else we're about to talk about solely because <laughs> uh, when I tried to do my personal uh, analysis on them, it's impossible because for the next one, two, three, four, five, six, yeah. seven people, we are talking about people who either didn't pitch last year or have fewer than 100 innings pitched, 150 innings pitched in yeah. the past year. So it's a tough tier, but we're going to we're going to jump into it. We're not going to get back to a guy who has more than 150 innings till number 59. But for now, we're at number 52, <laughs> uh, which is Lance McCullers Jr. I mean, you, you kind of know what you're getting when you get Lance McCullers Jr., right? You're getting like a 25 to 27% K rate. You're getting a whip that's around 1.2, which is always going to be an Achilles heel. You're getting an ERA that's likely going to be in the mid threes, and you're probably not going to get a lot of innings. Um, I will say in that short stint we saw last year, we saw a second consecutive year in which he really decreased the sinker usage instead going for more cutters and change-ups. I do wonder if he starts to be uh, much more cutter friendly moving forward. Um, it's also super important too to oh, remember man. that like, say it again. I hope not. That cutter is so inconsistent. But that is, is it any worse than that sinker? What was the Woba on that sinker last year? RPLV. So essentially he would only throw cutters, I think sinkers to left-handers. Uh, sinkers, no, sinkers through to right-handers. Uh, but cutters only through to left-handers. RPLV on it. Um, keep in mind, PLV, the average is like five. It's on a scale of zero to 10. Three, nine, four. Uh, mm-hmm. Now, they only threw 42 the of them on the on the cutter. On the he cutter, threw just okay. a lot of really bad cutters. Hmm. Um, sinker was a, it was a three, nine, nine. I don't remember. You don't see this, but it's also really, this is fun with small samples. Okay. Uh, like 29 sinkers thrown against lefties. It's only 42 against uh, lefties off at the cutter. But yeah, it's not it's not very good. The curveball's better, the changeup's better, the slider's better. The, the main thing about McCullers is just that the slider is just so good against righties. Oh, 581 PLV is just mm, mm. he doesn't throw the curveball against righties, which is interesting. But why? Cuz you have the slider. That's just that good, right? The sinker's always going to be bad and it's and maybe introducing the the cutter to to right-handers could help. Uh he only did it against lefties though. I was imagine it was to try to jam them inside. He's- He's extremely, um, he's like your favorite pitcher that he's extremely splits dependent. Like this man is a, there's Lance McCullers versus lefties and there's Lance McCullers versus righties. And it's almost two drastically different arsenals. But I I think what we need to talk about though, sure, the cutter might not have a great PLV grade and it had a very small sample last year. It's a 558 Woba on the sinker last year. Well, 558, 558 X Woba of 537. That's not a viable yeah, I know. fastball. It's 44, 44 batters faced on the sinker and 13 on the cutter. Like, I'm not going to, I don't know. But what's... what I'm saying isn't about what to use. I'm saying it's like he doesn't have a, a heater. Oh, I see. Yeah. No, yeah. I mean, that, that I'm just a small sample size. And that, that's always been the story of the sinker for, for Lance McCullers. So he throws it too far in the zone. And then it's just, oh, boy. Um yeah, he doesn't he doesn't have a heater, but then again, what did he throw? Like twenty seven straight curveballs or something against the Yankees? Yeah, uh, like and like ago, yeah. just go ahead and do that some more. Um, I, I look, he's got a Lance McCullers 
is going to have that problem. Surprisingly, his hit per nine has never been above 7.5, if you can believe that. It's never been above. It's always the walk rates. And I, it might be, uh, you know, he might need to steal something from like Kenta Maeda of like, hey, how do I get my fastballs in the zone to then allow myself to get more strikes with my uh, with my breaking stuff? But I honestly don't think he's an 11% walk rate guy. I think he's more like an 8 or 9% one. Um, as he really mixes in the, the curveball and slider effectively. Just stop throwing that changeup and, and cutter. The changeup had a 51% strike rate last year. So he's trying to figure out how to get out lefties, right? The cutter, 44%. That's why I graded so poorly. Um, but yeah, I, look, the way I see it is Lance McCullers has legitimate strikeout upside. His ERA has not been above four um, in the past four yeah. years. 2018, 19, uh, sorry, 18-20, 21-22. Plays for the Astros. When Lance McCullough pitches, you want him on your side. Yeah. Um, I don't know how many we're going to get. I'm terrified of that elbow uh, yeah. for McCullers. Um, it, it's so interesting. I, one, one of the things that really resonated for me from PitchCon was Eno Saris saying that there's a four inning, 400 inning honeymoon of Tommy John, which makes all the sense. You've repaired the thing, but we know it's not going to sustain itself for Permanent, as, yeah. as well as we want. Came back in 2020, 55 innings, 162, then 48 for Lance McCullers. Seems like we're getting close to that 400 of that honeymoon. Obviously, it's not going to be 400 on the dot, but like, yeah, we're over 300 now. Um, or we're getting close to 300. Then like, yeah, okay. I, I see that. So is McCullers too high, too low? If I can draft a pitcher that I'm going to start every time he's pitching right now, where I expect him at least to be healthy in spring training at the start of the year, I'll draft them. Here, this is yeah. right where the cliff is. Of I'm taking the injury chances above the guys I think are more Toby esque. I might be moving some guys that are like at 60 to 60 or 70 ahead of this tier. Um, sure. someone that you won't hear in this podcast, believe it or not, is Jordan Montgomery, um, or Tyler mm. Anderson or Alex Cobb. And I wrestle with that, and I might be putting them into the 50s, but keep that in mind as we go through the next guys, too. All right. Well, we're going to move on to the next guy who's a must, you know, a hotly debated former prospect. But we're going to do that right after this break. The person that we wanted to talk about next was Michael Kopech, who comes in at uh, at number 53. So we see the first full year of starts from him. He gets 25 starts, 119 innings pitched and not what we're expecting. Right. All of a sudden that. Really nice swinging strike rate, uh, which we saw in 2021, which a lot of it was in relief. Takes a nosedive, drops below 10%, right at 10%, really, with a 21% K rate. There's some news out of uh, the Mining the News article that that uh, Jeff Zimmerman does such a fantastic job compiling about how he's still rehabbing his knee, um, which could theoretically jump into his innings a little bit as well. Not like we're expecting him to get 180 anyway. Maintains the, you know, the sub 120 whip, mid three ERA, but this ranking kind of has me believing that you think that there are some strides that he could take here uh, with his swing and miss stuff. So, yeah, Michael Kopech, uh, a couple things here. Um, one, I want everyone to understand that in 2021, Michael Kopech was a far better pitcher than he was in 2022. PLV really acknowledges that uh, an absolutely elite slider exceptional if not elite four seamer as well curveball was way above average um and then those took a nosedive in 2022 is it just him going from relief to starter i don't think so i think the knee was really nagging at him and i talked to steven lyman over uh the weekend at PitchCon. also one of those panels you should everybody should just watch that one put it on double speed 
get to the guys that you're curious about. We went through like 50 different players with any sort of injury question. Um, fastball test, we both met Lyman at the same time in 2020 at First Pitch Florida. Love him. I mean, what an awesome He's shooter. the man. He's and, the man. Uh, and so I just, I, I reached out to him and said, you want to come back and pitch con and talk about the stuff? He goes, absolutely. And it's just me going through all of this. He has all the degrees you want to talk about injuries, all the, the all the resume. Um, I said, cool. So Michael Kopech, what's the deal here? He goes, oh, don't worry about it. It's it's back. It's his back, Lee. As long as he got surgery on it, it's clean. Like everything should be fine. That isn't one that lingers. So he's rehabbing as he should. Michael Kopech, that didn't sound like he had a setback. Uh, he's rehabbing as we expect him to be. Hmm. Uh, so... I, I'm not concerned about that. And I think Michael Kopech is someone y'all need to get. Uh, I think NFBC had him like 280 or something, which essentially means not drafted in 12-teamers. And that's ridiculous. Uh, elite fastball and, and slider combination um, when he's 285, healthy. 285, you're right. We saw it last year at times uh, when uh, Michael Kopech was healthy. Remember Sunday Night Baseball against the Yankees? Oh, my mm. lord, That was the best. Uh, I'm leaning into the Lorsch thing now. I feel good about it. So, so Kopech, we're going to see out of uh, camp, is he all good? Is he sitting 96, 97, or is he sitting 94? If you sit 94, you just move on. But at least you'll have that decision made for you early on in the season. And as the SP4 for the White Sox, because Clevenger, I'm just kind of just removing uh, from all of this, uh, the White Sox need him. They're not going to hold him back. He's going to go every five days. Yeah. So I remember how we were talking about Kopech last year, and I see that this clearly affected him. Anyone that says that this didn't affect him, and he got surgery. He's not trying to like rehab it without surgery. He got surgery. I'm back in on Kopech, especially when he doesn't cost me an SP4-5 pick. So I might be a little too aggressive on this. It might not even be the spot in your draft that you need to get Michael Kopech. But yeah, he's he's circled in all of my leagues. Yeah, he had some interesting thing. He had a 93% zone contact on that slider last year, which is oh boy. not great, Bob. Yeah, jumped up from 78%. It just, even if you look at the the like the like heat maps on that pitch between 2021 and 2022, he's just not locating or didn't locate the pitch as well. Yeah, I mean, he and was to hurt. me, that does, he really, yeah, yeah, that points to injury. It really does point to injury. Um, so exciting to see what he could theoretically turn, theoretically turn into next year. I do want to say the best way that we could probably hype Steven Lyman is if you're a big uh, sake or shochu drinker, he's got a great book oh, yeah. that was a bestseller called The Complete Guide to Japanese Drinks. And man, he you talk about degrees, he's got degrees in more than and, you know, than being a doctor or whatever. He's he, that man knows how to drink and not even like in a scary way. And like, a, oh, man, he knows everything. This is awesome. He is. Um, he is acute because he has 45 degrees. OK, keep going. Oh, my God. Uh, wow. So we finally reached the point where we're going to talk about uh, 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 the the number one pitching. Wait, do you know who this guy is? Yeah. In, in, in baseball. And, that, and that's Grayson Rodriguez. You know, it's funny. Like I was reading all the different, you know, a, a lot of top 100s have come out over the past week or so or the past two weeks with Baseball America. And Keith Law released his for the athletic and someone from. Um, someone from Twitter pointed out how he went from, oh, well, he has a really good slider that has a, is a very promising slider, a very promising slider to the fact that he thinks that his slider is the worst of his uh, worst of his offerings. And now he thinks the changeup is the best of his offerings. Um, I, you know, I 
I just never know what to do with a guy like this who is a highly regarded pitching prospect and who is not only highly regarded, but highly regarded because he's got such depth, right? This isn't a guy who's got like a top, you know, top 10 ranking because he's got a dominant fastball slider. This is a guy who's got a, he's got a four seam. He's got a slider. He's got a curveball, He's got a changeup. He's got plus command. Um, so the, the, the packages are there. There was Keith law also mentioned that we don't know if now we don't know if he's going to be an SP one, but he's definitely going to be a great SP two, which like, I don't even know what that means. Um, but I don't know. Like how, how do you, how do you walk this line if he's had no MLB appearances and, and how do we rank yeah. him? So again, I'm I'm trying to establish that the cliff has been hit really around 45, and honestly, I could be pushing up Grayson Rodriguez past this. He should be ahead of Lucas Giolito. I don't even know what I'm doing. Why isn't he higher than that? Um, Poor Lucas Giolito. You're just railing on him this podcast. Well, I I just regret it. That's all. Sorry, Lucas, but I don't trust your arm circle stuff. Um, and I hate past Nick a week ago. Um, this is actually I'm just gonna do this really quickly. I uh, this this is literally the two sentences on Fangraphs prospects report, and I'll I'll talk about Chris Clegg's report in a moment. Um, but they say too long didn't read. Rodriguez remade his body as a high schooler and came into huge velocity, while Baltimore helped him develop a deep repertoire of plus or better pitches. "Quote: He is in a tier of his own among the pitching prospects in the minors, and it's really tough for us in the off season to grasp what it's like in season." When major pitching prospects not only come up, but also succeed in their first start. And really think about this. Here it is in the middle of June, which is not the case now. But a guy comes up and you say, oh my gosh, here comes Alec Manoa, right? And he has an amazing start. Think about how you rate Alec Manoa versus the rest of your entire roster at that point. And think about maybe a month in, a month in after that, how you would rank Alec Manoa, right? And understand that that's what it is now, if not even heightened, um, because because you have a full season of this ahead. Sure. And not to mention so many other options to choose from that it just makes Grace Rodriguez more interesting because he can jump into that top 30 or so. That's why I want to be aggressive on Grayson Rodriguez. It, I mean, the Orioles, what? They're going to throw Dean Kramer instead of him? Um, so they're gonna let, throw, let, me, let me stop you right here because I think others, this actually I mean, might... In- Yes, this might inform what you're what you're saying. So this is another mining the news thing. They are going to limit his innings. He will sure, that's he, fine. he will have his 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 innings limited. And you know Jeff Apley says that he thinks it might be like Shane McClanahan, where it's like 120 innings in 25 games, and they probably could have a few games where he's just like going 70 pitches and that's it, uh-huh. or 80 pitches yeah. and that's it. I don't care. Does that impact your ranking? No, because because this is the tier of. Of like, are, how much am I getting of Lance McCullers? How much am I getting of the other injured guys that were just like shrugging our shoulders? We're past the point of depending on them through the full year. Now it's about, I want guys on my team that are productive when they're on my team. And then when, you know, if, if something comes up that prevents them from being any good, I quickly remove them. You know, that that's where we are here in these rankings. And I understand yeah, good I, 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 the, the tough balance here. This is the really tough thing. How I'm ranking them now is not at all for a 15 teamer, because as far as you need to go back for dependability through the far full year is not around 43 or 45. It's closer yeah. to, to 60 or so. Um, you have to add another, you know, 15 essentially. 
So that means that guys that are in my 60s would likely be ranked higher than these riskier profiles. And that makes all the sense. And depends on your league too. If it's much deeper, then you need to adjust. I'm trying to figure out exactly right now where those thresholds are. And at the moment, I'm going to be more aggressive on Grayson Rodriguez because he's going to be not my SP4. It's going to be really five or six even. Sure. Uh, and in my 12 teamers. And that sounds great. I want to. Oh, boy. Yeah. I want to. I want to have some fun with Grayson Rodriguez. Yeah, I'm with you. Um, yeah, I'm trying to. Th- I think the, the context is super important, right? Putting him next to Michael Kopech seems very fitting in that right. Because if anything, I think you can make a case that. Well, you could make the case that they would be swapped just because there's a larger breadth of Arsenal from Grayson Rodriguez. But he hasn't done it in the bigs yet. And we have seen stretches in which Michael Kopech has done it. Um. Moving on to another guy that it's difficult to, you know, it's it's a shot in the dark here. Uh, and that's Kodai Senga, uh, you know, signed that huge deal with the Mets this offseason. Um, and the projections for him are, are certainly interesting. Um, if you look at ATC, they're saying he's going to have about a 3.86 ERA um, with about a 25% K rate. The bat, not as friendly. 4.75 ERA with a 21% K rate um, with some other, you know, there's a wide disparity. Some think he's going to get a lot of Ks, some think he isn't. I'm always a little bit hesitant about um, guys coming over from Japan or Korea in their first season because I just think there's such a large learning curve for them to mm. adjust to. I also really don't know, you can't even really factor this into your rankings because it's just there's too much information, but what the WBC does to, to guys, you know, like uh, w- what risks are introduced as a result of that. We'll definitely sure. get to see, um, you know, some of his stuff relatively soon. I've heard very good uh, four seam and splitter combination. Um, but yeah, how, how are you uh, approaching Kodai Sanka with all this uncertainty? Yeah, so I, I mean, he throws upper 90s, which is pretty cool. Nice. Uh, I'm reading here from Rising Apple, fan-sided uh, Mets. Uh, 70 grade fastball and he has this fork ball right that's the ghost ghost ball ghost fork i should say which is hilarious it's a fork ball um but uh, i mean it's like a splitter yeah, <laughs> yeah it's just a splitter like they can call yeah. it it's just a splitter don't, don't worry yeah so i uh, you guys know how i feel about splitters it has been apparently a very good one we've seen players from, from japan having good ones darvish had one tanaka had one right um i What's his name? The reliever with the Red Sox for whatever reason is uh um, No, reliever. Um, it's fine. Uh he had such he was such a good reliever for so long. Anyway. Koji um, Uihara? Yes. I think that's who I'm thinking of. Pretty sure. Yeah. Uh good job. Good stuff, buddy. That's why I can always rely on you fast. I, I, I see this as a high upside play. I uh, I do have a little bit of worry about uh, yeah, as I mentioned with the WBC, we've seen this before of, of Japanese pitchers coming over that they they generally do have some sort of issue um, of some kind. Like we've yep. seen it from like Tanaka getting TJ. We've seen it from Shohei getting TJ. We've seen it from Darvish getting it, um, especially when you throw a splitter um, as well. So I'm not going to rule that out, but I mean, whatever. What do I know? Um, and the way I see it is you're getting a high upside play here in the middle of your 50s. What do you know? Chase a high upside thing. It could be overlooked. The Mets want to give him five years, 75 million. Like, it's not just nothing yeah. here. Had yeah, a lot of true. success. So, again, it's a case of, great, I'm going to go and chase something that can be better than my more Toby-esque stuff. Um, and then uh, that's why I'm going to f- 
favor Senga at this point. I could be changing this and pushing him down a little bit by next week, but I think it might be a case where we just see him in spring and everybody gets hyped out of belief, and you're going to start seeing Senga go around here anyway. God, that's going to be tough. I mean, I, I always wonder too, like he might just be going extra hard in spring to get used to the batters and the batters are warming up and, uh, you know, getting ready for the full season. I don't know if I'm going to be buying into like a lot of the, the spring training stuff. Well, I, mean, we I know, know, we know, but- right? But we know uh, upper 90s heater. I can't help myself. I see some exciting things. I put out a tweet, you know, like the the hype will be there if the guy's doing well in the spring. Yeah, yeah. No, I don't disagree that it'll be there. I'm just saying I think I'm going to try and block it out to the best of my ability. Good luck. I I believe in you. I know. I'm sure I'll be sending just as many tweets, but. (laughs) Uh, But you know what I mean? There's a difference between sending a tweet out because it's exciting and trying to keep it in the context of like, yeah, he could throw 120 innings. He could be just like every other guy in this tier. Those innings. Might be rough in April. This is our official disclaimer for all March tweets. (laughs) Yeah, well said. Uh, Well, you know, why don't we stick with it? Like I said, I freaking hate this, dear. Why don't we stick with guys who who we know absolutely nothing about and we can't have a legitimate discussion on because they can't manage to throw over 50 innings. Um, And that's Jack Flaherty. So Jack Flaherty, I mean, man, I feel for the guy like I I would I remember, you know, being obviously very on board for Jack Flaherty and then really being concerned about Jack Flaherty. And then we haven't been able to have a legitimate discussion about Jack Flaherty since the 2019 offseason because exactly uh, the you know, the COVID shortened season that he gets 78 innings that he gets 36 innings. I mean, it's just not been great for him. So you can rule out. 160 like that's that's not happening uh i just really don't think that's happening um you can probably at the most get 150 if he's healthy uh last year i think he'd throw it all out right he's i don't think jack larry's gonna have a 161 whip uh which is (laughs) insane uh otherwise he'll be pitching for the montecito bears um hey how are you on the bears they're good um so, so Flaherty, I talked to Stephen Lyman about this and he's like, yeah, I'm terrified of that shoulder. He's also really terrified of Freddie Peralta and Andrew Heaney's shoulder. Mm. So yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm a little terrified here. I, uh, it's again, one of those cases like, all right, let's just see how you're doing. I might be lowering him, especially as we get more news out about the health of Jack Flaherty. Let's see how he's performing in the spring. I and mean, this is what it is with a lot of these guys in this tier. It's, this is where they are right now. And maybe I should have them in the 60s with the understanding look. If they are fine in the spring, they are moving up to where they are here, right? Because I'm not really going to push them into the early 40s if they look great in the spring. I just I don't see myself doing that. So maybe that's how I should approach it. Um, where really the next podcast is the real one, right? Um, that we do. <laughs> but uh, but for Jack Flaherty, I won't rule out the fact that he's always been really good at suppressing hits, say for last year, um, when clearly it was mechanics that were affecting him from the shoulder that messed it up, him up and had the, the, uh, the oblique injury. Makes a lot of sense. Actually, I got a email about someone telling me that and I couldn't agree more. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a good slider, though. Good fastball, good curveball, sinker that he uses inside the right-handers. Like That makes all the sense when things are going. It's just... What are we going to get from Jack Flaherty? I don't know. So he's, we'll a, he's a pitcher built for that team. You know, the Babips have always been super low, but he's got the infield defense to keep him suppressed. And 
it's like you said that he's he's good at mitigating those hits he can do that he can have that low one whip we've seen it before over long samples or honestly with a full healthy season you're probably thinking a whip between one and 105 108 at most so yeah it's just a question of like do you trust the stuff? Another mining the news says he'll be he'll be ready for spring training and will have no restrictions, which is good. It's just a matter of whether or not that can sustain over the course of the full year. Um, we have four guys remaining on this list in this mini tier from hell. Uh, but before we get to him, we're going <laughs> to take another short break. And we're back on the mini list from heck. Apparently, <laughs> Sorry. you know, unbelievable <laughs> fast. Uh, uh, unreal um we have Listen, we have you already changed more. my entire personality by not cursing i'm allowed to at least get that one in. yeah that uh, swearing is not your personality fast there's so <laughs> much more to you <laughs> thank you thank you um we have two uh, more here we have two more intriguing injured guys we're gonna get through it fast mm-hmm. Who's I, the yeah the f- the first one is is Kenta Maeda. So obviously the the, the Tommy John uh, hasn't pitched since 2021. He missed off last year. Should be unrestricted coming into this year because of the long. I, I believe he had that surgery at the end of the 2021 season, right? Or like during the 21. It was in the middle season. of it. Yeah, it was like July. No, it was it was later. It was later. It was because he pitched in uh, August. August 21st was his last game. Oh, did he really? Um, oh, he came yeah. like he came back and then it wasn't working. That was Tommy John. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So. I mean, I we were so excited to be able to see him. I remember, like, I'm thinking back to it's 2020. Um, we didn't know there was going to be a, a COVID shortened season, and we were like, "Oh man, this is going to be great." Kenta Maeda is not going to have Dodgeritis anymore. He's going to be unleashed. He's going to be a full starter. And then we got in 2020 66 innings of a 270 ERA with a 32 percent K rate, and we so were nice. flipping tables over here, baby. We were so excited. And then uh, 2021 came around, and it was a season just kind of largely mired in in injuries right i mean it it didn't start well in 2021 and it it kind of there was one month in july where it was looking pretty nice but it was really really bad for the first three months then obviously things kind of came into perspective when he had to get tommy john surgery the 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 mix is there right obviously the the dreaded s word and splitter is a big part of it but the slider splitter four seamer mixed together to, to be a really effective arsenal for him I'm more willing to, you know, get away from the injury stuff here now that he's coming off the Tommy John season and think that he could probably lead all of these guys in innings up to Michael Kopech. Um, But then it's just a matter of which Kenta Maeda are we getting? So what are your thoughts? I mean, you said it. Uh, what are we going to get? I don't know. The, the honeymoon still applies, especially coming back from Tommy John. We generally see guys perform well. I even remember back in when it's like, you Darvish returning and Jose Fernandez midseason, and they would be great. You know, they would look like themselves and succeed. And I'm thinking of last year, guys who came back from Tommy John. Well, you have Justin Verlander. He succeeded. You have Luis Severino, who looked great. Uh, I mean, sure, he got a little bit in 2021, but he looked great. I mean, Jameson Tyone and Corey Kluber were a little different. Uh, Kluber... I mean, I think age got to him a bit, but he was, you know, he's still a productive pitcher. Um, and Jameson Tyone, he had to really change what he was a bit. Um, I think the Yankees actually messed with him a little in that regard. Uh, I know there are other examples of this. Uh, I'm just trying to think of the ones off the top of my head <laughs> there, right now. 
I so to try and give you a hand, I googled Tommy John surgery twenty twenty one. The first yeah. link that pops up is a Google Doc from at MLB Player Analysis that is mm-hmm. every Tommy John surgery who performed go. it, their MLB ID, their Fangraphs ID, the high school, everything. This is unbelievable! What a crazy resource. There you go. So uh, Tommy uh, uh, Glasnow was another one in twenty twenty one. Tommy Glasnow. Tommy Glasnow. <laughs> you know who I loved? <laughs> you know that picture that I loved was that Tommy Glasnow. <laughs> no, Glasnow isn't. He got it then, but he didn't return tw- then. I want. I want. No. Return. Oh, you're thinking of guys who returned to 2022. Yeah. Or just in general. Glasnow returned to 2022. Okay, fast. Um, you know what I mean. I want to see like these big profile pitchers returning from Tommy John, and how do they do when they returned? I uh, from it. So I mean, yeah, Degrom did well. Um, mm. I I I generally feel like the idea that oh no, they're not going to be good when they return. I don't know. I mean, Dustin May, sure, command was a question and coming back, and it wasn't there right away. But I feel like Kentamaya is going to be good. Now, how good is a big question? How reliable is that 2020, and how much of 2021 was by injury? It's going to be a case. We're going to see where he's at uh, in spring training. Is the velocity there? Is he getting? Uh, does he have good enough command? That's a huge thing with Kenta Maeda. He needed to have fastballs he can sneak in, and then the sliders and changeups, or really sliders and splitters, out of the zone uh, with those giant uh, O swings um, from 2020. We're talking a 53% on the changeup and a 41% on the slider. Those fell both below 40% uh, in 2021. So we'll see there. I mean, the splitter was still above it, actually. The changeup wasn't. Um, but yeah, I, I want to buy in. I want to be in. Uh, I know you're, you're laughing at how I just messed that up, but that's no, fine. I'm not, I'm not laughing at that. I'm, I, no, I'm genuinely not laughing at that. I am genuinely not highway. laughing at that. What I am it? laughing at another thing, but finish your thought and I'll get to it. I mean, my thought is that like, yeah, here's another injured guy. What are we going to get? Injury, innings wise, the highest amount. But as far as ceiling goes, I'm not sure it matches, say, Flaherty or Lance McCullers or Kopech. Sure. I, I promise I was not laughing at that. I was laughing. I mean, at you can. I'm laughing of, at it. <laughs> I was looking at the list of Tommy John things and I went back. Uh, he has every Tommy John in the history of Tommy John's. Uh, starting What's the at first Tommy one? John. Okay. <laughs> you want to know? Funny. You know, I know what the second one is, is, is Brett Strom, the pitching coach, the famous Get pitching coach. Get out of here. The second, the second record. But what I was laughing at was like how we call it Tommy John because he was the first person to have it. But I feel bad for the doctor. How it could have. Yeah. It could, yeah, that was Dr. Frank Job because it's listed here. Uh, but uh, the fifth person to have it was Tom Candiotti. And if Tom Candiotti had it first, just how silly it Candiotti is. Candiotti surgery. Like, yeah, he had Candiotti surgery. He had, Can we uh, call yeah, it he had, that oh, moving forward? Tommy uh, Candiotti so surgery. Who is this? this is even better. The 19th person to have it was Steve Christmas. <laughs> Could you imagine? They would get yeah, it over yeah. the offseason. <laughs> Christmas surgery. Oh, this is this is the content that you pay for. Um, <laughs> all right, let's. Uh, that's very good stuff on Kentamaya. Let's move to the final person in this tier from heck, as you say, a guy that we haven't seen throw a baseball since 2020, and even then it was just a 13 in example. The first real large sample was back in 2019 with 174 and two thirds with a 2.68 ERA and a 3.45 FIP, which has us all foaming at the mouth. And that is Mike Soroka. So if Mike Soroka, you know, has been dealing just with a plethora of 
just you know shoulder injuries and then he had like the he had the Achilles Achilles heel right and he had the Achilles injury well it's his like, Achilles heel is is yeah. the fact that he keeps Very hurting lovely. it and they had to do a new sur- surgery on it I think the biggest pushback I've seen against Mike Soroka is that he's never had a good strikeout rate it was 20 percent in yeah. 2019 when he won 175 innings totally get this and maybe I'm too ahead of it instead of like hey why not just go for Jordan Montgomery or I uh, go for Tyler Anderson instead. Yeah, that makes all the sense. Um, the reason I would be more in on Sorka is even back then, I thought that Sorka should be getting more strikeouts than he was. And this guy is just was so good with his command. I wanted to see more and more of him. And I do wonder what like an actual healthy full season will be as Soroka is now, oh, he's 25 this year. Mm-hmm. It feels like he's yeah. been here for ages. He was so young with that talent. But then again, he's been removed from it now. And that might actually disrupt him. Um, the more and more I go on about this, I think I am rating him too highly because at least Kenta Maeda comes with the strikeouts, and we know that we're not only expecting Soroka to be back where he was, but also take the leap forward. And I think I need to lower Soroka a little bit um, from here, probably more so on the on the back end of these injured guys. So probably the late 60s is where you're going to see Soroka in all likelihood. But all that said, he should be drafted. And this is, what? again, somebody who you see in spring training. Let's see how this looks. And go from there. I would feel more interested in this, especially for winning ball club, like the uh, the uh, Atlanta Braves as well. Like, this is good. I really want uh, everyone to get hyped about Mike Soroka again. It should, could be one of those post-type things like, oh, yeah, Mike Soroka's back and he's fine and everything's good. Um, take a good chance on this one because I think there are a lot of the other guys that are getting drafted instead that it's a big shrug and I'd rather go for the shrug of the guy who has been a productive member of the fantasy organization uh, for as long as he's pitched. I don't think he starts the year on the rotation. Well, they're saying right now it's between him and Ian Anderson. Yeah. And here, here's why I don't think it will be him. Um, okay. Mike Soroka. Yeah. Mike Soroka has one option left mm-hmm. and I think they it would behoove them to start him in the minors, um, and not have to worry about that. Oh, I guess if they yeah, because if they option him back down, then that they can no, still can do they that. Option him? Yeah, they yeah, can option one him option. Yeah, the they can option him back down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I guess theoretically, if you have him in the minors, though, you'd want to get him back into good shape and pitching the way that you know, especially because you have Ian Anderson, who's been apparently making strides in the offseason, working with the Wake Forest team. Um, it wouldn't surprise me to see him start there and then get his way into the rotation later in the season uh, once he has some of these kinks ironed out. It's possible. I think it really depends on how good Ian Anderson and Mike Soroka are in spring training. I mean, that's that's why you're taking this pick. It's how it is with all these guys. It's just where are they at? Ian Anderson, I have more doubt about the strides he's made. There are a lot of things for him to fix. Oh, we did it, Nick. We got we through that tier. We made it. We're not done with this podcast, thankfully. We have two more guys to talk about. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, So the first one is a person who uh, recorded tier tier name tier name. Oh, this is this is technically well, yeah. They're different. They're different things. Okay. So what what monument is this tier? Oh right, it's monument. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, you you did it. I was giving you an out. Uh, why why did you go with monuments? I was gonna go with wonders of the world, and then I was like, "Nah, monument was my first thought. Let's just do it." Um, I'm gonna. All right, you know what? You're, this is what you're gonna get. Fast, I. You're going to get, um, 
In status is, is the answer. In status is the most recent album by the band Monuments. <laughs> is that, did you just Google the word? Well, I Monuments? remember the band Monuments. I forgot what their album name was. Okay. And it's because these are not going to be the guys that are like the top of the music world, sure. you know, but they might impress you. <laughs> Very good. Very good. Kyle Wright certainly impressed last year with a curveball whose usage he spiked all the way up to about 35% last year, and it was a very good pitch for him. It picked up a 70% swing strike rate and got a 252 Woba from him. He's a revamped pitcher last year and surprised a lot of people and probably won a lot of people their fantasy leagues. You think Kyle Wright is going to be able to maintain the gains that he had in 2022 heading into the 2023 season? Maintain the gains. I don't know why that sounds like it's... (laughs) Just like, I don't know, what is it, Beefcake, the other thing from South Park? No. Oh. The, the power, the, whatever it is. What are you Man. talking about? Okay, well, so on. Beefcake is the uh, is the South Park thing that, like, Cartman gets to, like, feel like he's bulking up, but yeah. he's just, like, Beefcake. Yeah. yeah, right. Then there is a meme of a video of, like, the most brotastic energy drink. It's a power thirst. That's what I'm thinking. Power thirst? A meme yeah. of a video. Maintain the gains. That's power thirst. If you don't know what power thirst is, oh boy, you, you got a YouTube video waiting for you, buddy. Um, oh our new, newest flavor, gun. Anyway. Um, gun? Yes. This is the oh, video that's the fast. That's the flavor. Okay, yeah, that's right. the flavor. Um, right. If you think that's ridiculous, it is. Kyle writes, has a good curveball and nothing else. And that's a problem. Because the curveball sometimes isn't going to do enough. Um, and I, I'm, I'm terrified, honestly. I, 7.8 hit per nine last year, I think, can go up. Uh, 7% walk rate was, hey, that's all right. You know, you have a 7% strikeout, sorry, strike rate on your curveball. That's how you were able to avoid that. You just kind of threw it in there. But you also threw in the sinker. And I don't think the sinker is very good. Um yeah, and the four-seamer, he did elevate, but a lot of times this kind of fell into the zone and wasn't good at low 57% strike rate. They did not chase this 22% O-swing on your four-seamer despite trying to put guys away with it. Just a 15% put-away rate. The changeup is not good. Um, yeah, I, I don't think the whole repertoire speaks to the 319 ERA. If you actually Wait. saw at the end of the year that Kyle Wright ended with his ex-ERA of like 3.7. With a 116 whip and a 24% K rate, not many people would be too interested in this. Uh, and I I kind of think that's who Kyle Wright is. I think the 21 wins in 2022 is why Kyle Wright is, you know, highly regarded, or at least going inside the top 50 of starters. I have no interest in it. I think that Kyle Wright, um, sure, he could get better as he continues pitching for Atlanta, and the curveball is really good, but I... Don't believe in the other stuff, so I'm staying away. Changeup is not good. Is interesting. Very, uh, very I good. I mean, it it it, re- it had results of a one five one batting average allowed, twenty seven percent hard contact rate on it, twenty eight percent league average. I don't think this is a reliable pitch for for Kyle Wright. I think his locations of it were pretty bad. I've seen a lot of good changeups when it comes to like reliability of. Hey, I'm going to put it where I want to, or hey, I'm going to get away with it. Uh, Kyle Wright, I feel like, got away with his changeup a lot more than he should have. PLV does not like his changeup as well. As I was saying all of that, I stalled a little bit to figure out the answer to that. Yeah, does not like his changeup on it. 
I don't think Kyle Wright can depend on that change, and I think that's a problem. Okay, interesting. Yeah, because he's got an above-average swing strike rate, above-average CSW strike rate overall, better-than-average WOBA. So that's interesting to hear that it doesn't like it that much. I'd be curious to know why. But then again, it is also a very small the location. That the locations location. are not, yeah, not not pristine. And that speaks more into Kyle Wright, you know, the arm. Like we've always known this. He had the super high walk rates because his overall command is not good. Sure. Uh, I, I worry about this. Yeah, the lack of real go-to heater I think is interesting. I mean, the sinker is 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 fine. Um, but well, yeah. Yeah, it, yeah. Well, so what? The, the P Val hates the sinker as well. I mean, yeah, it's not good. Uh, don't you dare call it P Val, by the way. Oh, sorry. Excuse me. <laughs> How yeah, dare you? No, I mean yeah, the, the sinker actually was above average against right-handers, which is what you want to see. Um, you know that that he was able to go inside a decent amount against right-handers. It's more that like a lefties. It's just oh boy, here's my curveball. Please, 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 let me get away with this. Yeah, um, I don't like that at all. Well, let's move on by wrapping up with number 60, uh, and that is John Gray. You know, we saw our full, first full season of Gray outside of Coors, and we got a, a sub-4 ERA just the third time in his career, right at 396, second lowest FIP of his career, career low Sierra, just 127 and a third. He had a blister. He dealt with some knee soreness. He missed a couple of weeks with an oblique strain. It's worth noting he has not thrown over 150 innings since 2018, but he did start throwing a sweeper last year and that was me like googling to make sure he calls it a sweeper and he does and the Mm -hmm. pitch really seemed to positively impact the four seamer he had a 332 woba on the four seamer which while not great contextually was the second lowest of his career still below average swinging strike on the four seamer but a a nice positive step forward from 2021 able to minimize the hard contact as well the sweeper was good for him too over 20 percent swing strike rate for the first time in a couple seasons the o swing jumped up tremendously I think a lot of his numbers really resemble what he did in 2019, which is a career year for John Gray. Home run issues didn't really subside as much as you would think, but the BAPIP was a career low, which really shouldn't be too difficult for him to maintain. Um, He made some changes fundamentally to the heater, made it a little bit flatter, likely in order to benefit that sweeper. Um, He was not good in kind of clutch situations. Um, especially with that, with that sweeper, um, he went from a negative 12 run value to a straight up zero run value, which is kind of interesting. It just seemed like it was kind of unlucky. I think you can kind of bounce back there, but I don't know. I, I think if you can get 150, maybe 160 and he maintains that four seam sweeper combination, this could be a nice year for John Gray. So I worry about lefties, uh, with John Gray. <laughs> um, he does a great job about against right-handers. Uh, the slider is an elite pitch. Uh, it grades incredibly well. Um, five six five PVAL, which is interesting. Hey, this is a quality pitch every time you throw it against the, or an average against right-handers, which is wonderful. Five point five uh, what? A five point six five PLV. Um, you said PVAL. Did I really? You this did. This is what you've done to me. This is Play what you've done to me. Play it back. This is what you did to me. <laughs> you did it, and then now it's like stuck in my head. And, uh, oh. oh, gosh, fast. Oh, boy. It's PLV. Oh. It's, it's just like PLV. a dyslexic thing for me. It's like I see the letters and it just turns I know, into, and I get it. Yeah. I just, oh, boy. I hadn't once messed up until, you, oh, no. Yeah. It's like when my, <laughs> uh, my, my uncle's name is Ricky, believe it or not. Uh-huh. And whenever he's in town, my mom starts calling me Ricky accidentally. That's it's weird. only when, like, he's in town. 
And I always get upset that she should be calling him Nick, you know. Um, but uh, it, this is what's going on. Now, you mentioned P-Val, and all of a sudden, I start saying it accidentally. Damn, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? Oh, gosh. Anyway, John Gray's PLV, not good against lefties, essentially. Uh, he also throws his change up 17% of the time that I don't think is good enough um, against them. And he should be throwing more of those sliders. I, oh, guys, there's one thing I want pitchers to do universally this year. It's to throw their best breaking pitch to opposite hand batters down and in like more often. Uh, it, it's so successful. It's so good. I just saw a, a great article on the site. Uh, Michael Barker put out um, an article on MJ Melendez and talked about how did he get beat the most as a lefty? Guess what? Right-handers throwing breaking balls inside to him because that's what, yes, that's like, that's, that's where even good guys like Melendez will struggle. Do it. It's good. It's successful. It's just really hard to do it consistently. But hey, Jacob DeGrom slider, what do you know? It's the best one of the majors because he does that with consistency. So hopefully John Gray can lean into that a little bit more and not on that changeup. But yeah, the four-seamer doesn't perform as well. I think also that's a command thing. Uh, but you throw that into the fact that he hasn't stayed healthy for a long time, hasn't found that groove. It just adds in, up into this, I don't know if I really want to be leaning on John Gray being great for my fantasy teams. Yeah. Uh, some days I'm like, you know what? John Gray's going to do this. He was an ace in the middle of last year and he'll do that again. And it was wonderful. And then other days I'm like, he is not reliable, Nick. Uh, so I go back and forth on this. Um, I want to want to try it out with John Gray. It'll be really f- fun to see like what's going to happen. I don't know. Let's go see. Let's try it out. But I wouldn't be shocked if he just becomes a hipster, hitting inducing pitcher, stifling the entire roster. Hmm. So that's why John Gray is at number 60. That sounds like an evolution. I feel like you were so into Gray last year. I know. I know. But then you had another full season of data. And it's like, well, this changes things a little bit. Okay. Um, all right. Well, that is funny. Actually, though. Last, actually, what? I'm so sorry to interrupt. Last year, I no. think the preseason ranking of John Gray was 60. Was it really? Yeah. That's interesting. Um, <laughs> that's crazy to think of the different, same rank, different, different takes. Um, all right. We did it. We got through 51 through 60, 61 through 70 coming out very soon, but that is going to do it for episode number 371 of On the Corner, the official PitcherList.com podcast. I'm your host, Alex Fast. And I'm Nick Pollock. And we'll talk to you guys next week.